Good morning and welcome to Simply Economics. It's Friday, February 9th. On today's show, Thailand's post-pandemic economic recovery is still trailing behind, and a number that isn't good enough for the RBA. Plus, top economist Mark Zandi says disenfranchised millennials feel locked out of the housing market, tainting every part of economic life. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Economics. We start off with a recent speech to the House of Representatives Standing Committee on Economics by Michelle Bullock, the new governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia, RBA, where she outlined the bank's current economic outlook and policy decisions. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you give us an overview of the key points from the governor's speech? Certainly, David. The governor began by acknowledging the changes at the RBA, including her own appointment as governor and the appointment of a new deputy governor. She also mentioned a new statement on the conduct of monetary policy, which explicitly outlines the RBA's mandate for price stability and full employment. The RBA has also changed the format of its board meetings and the way it communicates its decisions. What about the current economic conditions? What did the governor say about inflation? Inflation remains a significant challenge. The governor noted that the cost of living is rising much faster than it has in recent decades, with almost 80% of items in the consumer price index recording price rises of more than 3% per annum. The RBA is focused on bringing inflation down, despite the pressure this puts on households with mortgages. The governor pointed out that the alternative of lower interest rates and high inflation for a prolonged period would be even worse. What has been the impact of the RBA's efforts to control inflation so far? The governor reported that inflation has declined from its peak of 7.8% in the December quarter of 2022 to 4.1% at the end of 2023. However, it's still too high. The RBA's target for annual consumer price inflation is between 2 and 3% on average over time. The new statement on the conduct of monetary policy makes it explicit that the RBA should be aiming for the middle of the range, 2.5%. So, there's still some way to go to meet the target. What about the global context? How does Australia's inflation situation compare to other economies? The governor acknowledged that Australia is not alone in experiencing a period of above-target inflation. Most economies around the world, particularly those with which Australia typically compares itself, have faced similar challenges. Initially, this was due to global supply chain issues, strong demand for goods, and rising energy prices. As these influences have subsided, global inflation has eased, but services sector inflation remains high in many countries. What are the RBA's forecasts for the economy and inflation? The RBA's updated forecasts, released on Tuesday, have inflation returning to within the top of the target range, 3%, in 2025, and reaching the midpoint of the target range in 2026. However, these forecasts are conditioned on the assumption that inflation expectations remain anchored around the midpoint of the target range. There's a great deal of uncertainty around inflation outcomes that far out. The governor also mentioned the RBA's mandate for full employment. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, the new statement on the conduct of monetary policy 
makes it more explicit that the RBA should conduct monetary policy in a way that will best contribute to both price stability and full employment. The governor emphasized that these two objectives are mostly complementary. Over the longer term, low and stable inflation is necessary to achieve sustainable full employment. The board is trying to bring inflation back to target without slowing the economy more than necessary. What about the RBA's other responsibilities, such as the oversight and regulation of the payment system and the issuance of Australian banknotes? The governor addressed these issues as well. She noted that the payment system has changed dramatically in recent years, moving from being predominantly serviced by large established financial institutions to a vibrant and innovative ecosystem. The RBA is working to modernize the legislation to regulate this new and diverse set of participants more effectively. She also discussed the challenges in the cash distribution system and the work underway to address them. Finally, she mentioned the redesign of the $5 note to honor and celebrate the culture and history of First Nations peoples. Thanks for the insights, James. Now shifting our focus to Southeast Asia, Thailand's economy, unlike other ASEAN countries, has yet to surpass pre-pandemic GDP and GDP per capita figures. The country's large informal economy and reliance on tourism made it particularly susceptible to the COVID-19 pandemic. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you tell us more about Thailand's economic situation? Certainly, David. Thailand's economy was severely impacted by the pandemic, and its recovery has been relatively slow. While there was some economic growth in 2023, primarily driven by the travel sector, the manufacturing sector continued to contract. Merchandise exports, which are crucial to the Thai economy, also continued to decline. What are the government's short-term economic policies to address these issues? The new government has implemented several short-term economic policies. These include a one-off digital cash payment to about 50 million residents, debt relief aimed at tackling illegal loan sharks, and efforts to cut energy and electric train costs. However, these measures, particularly the digital wallet scheme, have faced criticism from Thai economists due to its significant fiscal implications. What are the fiscal implications of this digital wallet scheme? The scheme has a budget of 500 billion baht, or $14 billion, and the number of recipients is high. This debt finance spending has led to a sharp rise in Thailand's public debt-to-GDP ratio, from 41.6% in 2019 to 62.44% in 2023. Given the end of low borrowing costs, a credible fiscal plan is needed to ensure that this scheme does not hinder other economic and social policies. What about the government's medium to long-term economic measures? The government's medium to long-term measures include new free trade agreements, green industry projects, and a land bridge project connecting the Gulf of Thailand with the Andaman Sea. However, the benefits of bilateral free trade agreements should be taken with a grain of salt. The cross-border dispersion of production processes within integrated global industries or global value chains means that the jurisdictional boundaries of a specific free trade agreement may not increase Thailand's relative cost advantages. What are the challenges that Thailand faces in 2024 and beyond? Thailand faces several challenges in 2024 and beyond, including an aging population, education inequality, and U.S.-China trade tensions. Political instability could also harm the investment climate 
and foreign investor confidence. The current coalition government led by the Thai Party needs to ensure political stability to continue economic projects as planned. However, policies to address these economic challenges are yet to be unveiled. Thanks for your insights, Celeste. Now, let's shift our focus to Australia, where the Reserve Bank is prepared to adjust interest rates according to economic conditions, and this could mean further hikes if Australia's post-pandemic productivity doesn't improve. This was the message from the Reserve Bank Governor, Michelle Bullock, during her appearance before a Parliamentary Economics Committee in Canberra. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you tell us more about the Governor's comments? Certainly, David. Governor Bullock warned that the cash rate, which was kept steady at 4.35% at their first meeting of the year, may need to be pushed higher if Australia's productivity performance doesn't improve. She explained that if productivity isn't rising, it doesn't bode well for wage increases. This would mean that the Reserve Bank would need to ensure that demand is brought down so that businesses think twice about passing on cost increases. And what did she say about the possibility of slashing rates? Governor Bullock indicated that the bank doesn't believe it has to wait until inflation returns to the target of 2.5% before it starts slashing rates, if the economic conditions are otherwise favorable. However, she stressed that they need to be very confident that they're going to reach that target as they start to remove the restrictive nature of policy. What's the current state of inflation in Australia? Inflation was down to 4.1% in the December quarter. While this is an improvement, Governor Bullock stated that the rate is still not good enough. She acknowledged that there are encouraging signs that inflation pressures are easing, but high inflation and ongoing cost of living pressures remain a challenge. What about the impact of interest rates on households? Governor Bullock acknowledged that rising interest rates have put additional pressure on households with mortgages. However, she warned that the alternative of lower interest rates and high inflation for a prolonged period would be even worse for these households, as well as those without mortgages. What's the outlook for the cash rate? The governor stated that the board has neither ruled out nor ruled in another increase to the cash rate. She noted that while inflation seems to be moderating at a faster pace than expected, the challenge isn't over and the bank would do what we need to do because the alternative is bad for everyone. What is the Reserve Bank's target for inflation? The RBA is aiming for the middle of the 2 to 3% inflation target in line with the new statement on the conduct of monetary policy agreed with Treasurer Jim Chalmers. Governor Bullock said there was still some way to go before meeting the target, but the central bank expects to reach the midpoint by mid-2026. What about the impact of the bank of mum and dad on the property market? Governor Bullock acknowledged that such loans are having an impact on demand, but said there were bigger issues at play. She stated that the first order effect here is about the supply of well-located land and housing versus demand. And finally, what did the governor say about the global economy and particularly China? She noted that the global economy had fared better over the last year than had been originally expected, but warned that growth in China has been quite sluggish, which is something for the RBA to watch. If there was an impact on Australia's commodity prices or exports to China, 
that could have serious implications for the domestic economy. Thanks for the insights, Bella. Now, let's shift our focus to a pressing issue affecting millennials. Homeownership, a cornerstone of the American dream, has become increasingly elusive for this generation. With housing affordability at a 40-year low and mortgage rates near 40-year highs, the prospect of never owning a home is causing anxiety and affecting millennials' perception of their finances and the economy. Here to discuss this further is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Economics. Can you tell us more about the challenges millennials are facing in the housing market? Certainly, David. Millennials have had a tough time in the housing market. They've had to weather two major economic events, the great financial crisis in 2008 and the pandemic in 2020. Both events left them financially vulnerable and struggling to afford a home. The Great Recession severely impacted the real estate market, while the pandemic led to a remote work boom that caused housing prices to skyrocket as millions moved from cities to the suburbs. And how does this housing affordability crisis affect millennials' perception of their financial lives and the economy? According to Moody's chief economist Mark Zandi, if millennials feel they're locked out of home ownership, it colors their perceptions about everything else going on in their financial lives. This sense of disenfranchisement could even impact political outcomes, potentially undermining President Joe Biden's re-election bid if housing affordability worsens. But there's been some recent change in mortgage rates, hasn't there? Yes, that's correct. Last October, mortgage rates reached their highest levels in over 20 years, topping 8%. This, coupled with the recent cost-of-living crisis, made homeownership seem even more unlikely for millennials. However, mortgage rates are now around 6.8%, giving prospective buyers hope that the housing market may become more manageable. Zandi emphasizes that mortgage rates are critical to people's perception of their chances of becoming homeowners. So, are there any signs of improvement for millennials in the housing market? There are some positive signs. Mortgage rates are expected to keep declining, possibly going as low as 5.5%. Other economic indicators, such as falling inflation and a strong job market, also suggest improvements. A December analyst note from Bank of America Research found that homeownership is more important to millennials than it was to their parents at the same age. This is because homeownership is seen as a way to insulate oneself from economic turmoil. What about the older millennials? Are they facing the same challenges? Older millennials are indeed facing similar challenges. They entered an exceptionally challenging housing market at the same time they were burdened by high student loan debts and a recession. One housing executive estimates that incomes need to rise by 55% to keep pace with home prices. This has significant implications for wealth building, as homeownership is a critical source of wealth. The typical homeowner's net worth is 40 times higher than someone who rents. That was Simply Economics reporter Michael. And with his insights, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Economics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.